this is Maggie. And Ashley. And you're listening to The Watering Hole, a place where animals and animal enthusiasts regularly drink. Every episode, we'll talk about different animals and why they're cool, from basic biology to the threats they face and what people are doing about it, all while under the influence. Welcome back to season two episode. Welcome back! We're here! You're here! We're all here. (laughs) Um, So we are back in Ash's apartment because Maggie still lives in Maine. (laughs) That hasn't changed. Hasn't changed. And we still only have one microphone, so bear with us. (laughs) Yeah, we're we're just doing this. However, we have upgraded to... Wine and muffins. Yes. I don't know if it's upgraded because I'd like to preface this as this is a $3 bottle of wine from Trader Joe's. I'm sure it's great because Trader Joe's wine is is actually quite delectable. Honestly, right? I was like, $3? Hell yeah. Um, So I told Maggie not to drink any of it yet. So we are going to drink it now and give you our honest responses. Ready? Cheers. It's fine. It I tastes, like it. It tastes like wine. T- tastes like wine, exactly. So I uh, attended a Friendsgiving last night, mm-hmm. and one of my girlfriends made sangria. Ooh. And we didn't have wine glasses. We just had our regular glasses that are, like, meant for water. Yeah. And I poured myself what would have been the amount of, like, juice or cider you would have given for yourself. And I looked at it, and I was like, holy shit, that's a ton of sangria. Mm-hmm. And my girlfriend Lily looked at me, and she's like, mm, Maggie, I wouldn't have expected anything less. I'm like, I think that might be an insult. <laughs> Man, I really thwarted you on your wine then. I only gave you a little glass. Well, High tolerance. I was going to say, we also have another, we have the rest of We've the bottle. We've got the rest of the bottle. This is fine. Um, but yeah, honestly, I'd buy this again 100%. Yeah, yeah. I'm not not just because it's cheap. That does have something to do with it. But yeah. uh agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Um but Maggie also mentioned that we have muffins. Oh, yes. So, Ashley, you went thrifting. I did. Which side note, 100% recommend thrifting. I love thrifting because it's good for the environment, but also like <sighs> Thanks, Maggie. Also, thrifting's really great if you like want to try something new in terms of like fashion or clothing, but you're like I feel weird like committing to this like $30 top. Whereas right. like when you thrift, you can't for like six bucks and you're like, well, if I never wear it again, I'll just like donate it again to a different charity. Like, and it's so good for the environment oh, because you're not creating more consumerism. So many benefits. Also, I found so many cute things in terms of clothing, but then I also found yes. this muffin tin <laughs> in the shape of different animals. And so when I arrived, Ashley presented these muffins and said, do you know what these are? <laughs> It's like she's like, is it a lot of animals? <laughs> exactly. Ding, Honestly, ding. I did it last night with friends with um like pre frozen brownie like bites or whatever, and it didn't work. <laughs> it didn't really look like animals. So the fact that the mu- these pumpkin muffins, um again just Trader Joe's, they're pumpkin. Egg. You didn't tell me that. Oh, that would have been a surprise. Oh, I'm so sorry. It's okay. They smell. Um, they smell holiday. They smell like the holidays. Festive for sure. But they look. Like, I definitely overfilled some of them, especially the one rhino one. But the second round, like, this was a second round one. I can't wait. I think I, 
I think I poked an elephant earlier, nice. so I should take that one. But they look recognizably like animals, which is very exciting. You can only do eight at a time, which is not the traditional <laughs> amount of muffins. So it is a process, but and you do have to like spoon fill it to fill all the crevices, but it's 100% worth it. Never have I found something in the Salvation Army that 100% matches my personality. <laughs> Baked goods in the shape of animals, sign me up. So uh, $3 red wine and animal-shaped pumpkin muffins is today's theme. I can't take a cute Maggie's photo of me. <laughs> so hard. Mm, I'm going to have... Mm. Oh, man, look at This is the white rhino. This is the black rhino. There's a different one. There's different ones? Um, No, this one just looks a little more cooked. Look at it. <laughs> Right? <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> I mean, that's why I'm laughing. I'm going to eat this giraffe. Okay. It's great. Anyway, so we're excited to be here. So excited. Um, As again, usual, we're chewing into the microphone. It's sexy. Thanks uh, for being here. It's sexy. It's us. It's what you came here for. So my animal this week. Yeah? I guess I'm going to have to make you guess. That's what we always do, right? That's true. I mean, that's kind of become the thing, and I... I love it. I love it because it adds an, an element of game. Because um, mm-hmm. everybody else can guess along with us. That I'm here for. I love games. My animal is really obvious, as per usual. So, I think the clue will be... You said that last time, and I guessed squirrels twice, so... <laughs> and then hedgehogs. Which... Hedgehogs was at least closer. You were closer. Okay, have you ever seen the movie Dogma? No. <sighs> okay. Was that your only possible clue? No, I was just, it was going to help. So in that movie, if you haven't yet seen it, it starts out with like, hey, this movie is about to make fun of religion, but if you are a religious fanatic, don't get upset because even God has a sense of humor. Dot, dot, dot. Just look at the... Insert animal name here. What animal? What a clue. <laughs> if you've seen Dogma, you know exactly what I'm about to say. I haven't. So. so no, I want to figure it out anyway. <laughs> okay. Do you, do you want another hint? Do you want a super easy hint? Or do you want like a. Well, here's the thing. I'm like, I'd be like, look at the narwhal. Look at the saga. Well, we've already done those. You're on the right track. I'm not lying. So it's got a ridiculous frontal feature. Rhino? <laughs> no. But it looks ridiculous. It looks ridiculous. Proboscis monkey. Uh, 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 no. <laughs> this is episode where Ashley names ridiculous looking animals. Okay, give me another hint. It's only found in one place in the world. Same continent we were on with your kangaroos. Platypus? Yeah! Oh! So, I wow. give you, ladies and gentlemen... The platypus. Oh, beautiful. Or ornithorhynchus anatinus. Ah. Which is really interesting because ornith. (gasps) Is bird. Uh Uh-huh. And that's because it's the duck-billed platypus. (laughs) And rhynchus is is nose. Rhine, like. Rhine. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Nose. So, if you guys aren't familiar with what a platypus looks like, it's a hodgepodge of animals. <laughs> it literally is like the zon- like the Frankenstein's monster of animals. Absolutely. It has a duck bill, which feels like suede, uh, webbed feet. I feel like suede. Fur. <laughs> and a beaver-like tail. I feel like suede. 
don't know why that really feels funny. like suede. <laughs> so um, these animals are only found in Australia and Tasmania. They are one of two egg-laying mammals in the world, also known as... Oh, fuck. Not... Nope, that's not what they're known as. You sure? <laughs> I know this. You do, because we said it in our bonus episode. It's my favorite animal fact. Why can't I think of the name? You know what the other animal is, though. Yeah, it's echidnas. Yes. And there's six species of echidnas. You're on the I right track. I fucking know that. Monotremes. Yeah! Thank monotremes. You. Which, interestingly, means single hole I was in Greek. Say, <laughs> I was say it means one hole. So, uh, monotremes, they are egg-laying mammals. What's up with that? It's really weird. Yeah. So, they are an aquatic or semi-aquatic mammal that lives in Australia and Tasmania in and near fresh water. They have really thick, dense fur that keeps them warm as they swim. Imagine kind of like beaver's fur. I was going to say otter, but yeah. Or otters. That was my second animal that I was going to say because (gasps) otters have very, very dense fur. Yes. Um, I think I once read somewhere that like there's there's an actual comparison of how humans have... 10,000 hairs per square mm-hmm. inch on our bodies and otters have like 100,000 hairs per square inch. Great, we're pathetic compared to otters. No one was surprised. No, no one in the history. That's so, crazy. Yeah. So, platypuses, not platypi. Oh. They're these tiny little carnivores. They Aww. they spend most of their time underwater, which is where they feed, and then they will dig burrows off of river river banks that have tunnels and different chambers, kind of like rooms. Again, very similar to beavers. I was going to say. With regard to feeding, they're most active at nighttime and dusk, hunting for about 10 to 12 hours per day. Damn. They eat. That's like half a day. I know. That's a long time. Otherwise, they're chilling in their burrows. Fair. They eat You'd shellfish, insects, larvae. And when they find food, they store it in their cheeks and bring it to the surface. Because now they're hamsters. Mm-hmm. Fun, they don't have teeth. They they do have, That's like... That's upsetting. A carnivore without teeth. I know. They do have, like... They're gonna gum you to death. Grinding plates okay. in their bills. All right. Uh, but they will, they will use gravel that they've picked up and scooped up while searching for food on the bottom of the riverbanks... To use that to help them break down food. I feel like they're the original thrifter. Yes. Yes. They're recycling. They're finding things. They're going to use them for their own good. The original thrifter. It's I like a, it. It's a bit, of a, a bit of a stretch, but I think it works here. So yeah, they'll, they'll pick up things that are like chilling at the bottom of the river. And use it. That's and great. And use That's that. A, yeah. Amazing. So beyond the fact that they don't have teeth. Yep. They don't have stomachs. Wait, what? They do not have stomachs. They have a gullet that connects directly to their digestive intestines. I feel like I did learn that somewhere. Echidnas but I was are the like, same way. I was like, I'm going to forget this fact because yeah. it's not real. It, it's, again, like mythical animals. Yeah. Speaking of. <gasps> no, you know who else doesn't have stomachs? Echidnas. Well, other than echidnas? Um, Seahorses. Oh, because I would have guessed that. Oh. I just remembered it as the reason. You looked at me so tellingly like, you know what? We I were was... just talking about this. When was the last time we talked about seahorses, Ashley? It, never. But yes, I believe seahorses also don't have stomachs. They just eat and it basically just goes right through them. So, uh, eh, whatever. So 
No, okay, no. I think we should just keep a running list of what platypuses are also like. Yes, because they are like everything else, which... Or uh, is everything else like a platypus? Maybe. Maybe they're the... They're pretty OG. You're taking the abbreviations right out of my mouth. I'm so sorry. Um, When they were first discovered by colonists, they were... They were suspected to be a hoax because they thought like this, this um, skin, animal skin that was presented to scientists, they were like, somebody has sewn pieces of an animal together because Mm -hmm. like I said, they've got a duck bill, beaver like fur, and then a fucking tail webbed feet. It's really weird. It's insane. Their bills Mm -hmm. are so super cool. It contains their sixth sense, which is not the first time we have talked about a sixth sense in an animal this season. Oh, this is true. Do you remember the last time we talked about a sixth sixth sense in a Um, I know we talked about sharks. Yes. With electro. <gasps> oh, I know where you're going, and I'm excited. Yes. So I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want me to say it? Because so, I've been interrupting a lot lately. Their bill is comprised of cells that are so sensitive they can detect electric fields generated by living things. So they can hunt with their eyes, ears, and nose all closed as they swim underwater. Which, by the way, they have flaps that cover all of those orifices. Uh, it's not a fun word. Um, <laughs> both of us cringed like, as uh. I said that. So they have flaps that cover those so that they can swim un- unhindered. And this sense is called electrolocation. Ooh. And that is a throwback to our Sharks' episode called uh, electromagnetism. Mm-hmm. So similar, but not the same. Same, same, but different. The, the kind of electricity given off by... Yes. Um, like muscle contraction and, and such. Which is kind of similar, but mm. yeah. yeah. Same, same, but different. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've also just started eating this um, lion muffin, so let me know if you'd like to split this lion muffin with me. No, I'll probably eat my own later. Okay. I'll, I'll let everyone know what animal I choose. Go. I already had an elephant, so I'll have to choose something different. So, though they are only found in Australia and Tasmania, they've adapted to climatic extremes. So, they can live in the plateaus, lowlands, the Australian mountains, which are snow-capped, apparently. I I don't actually. I might have made that up. It was called the Australian Alps when I Googled this. Mm -hmm. You've made such a mess eating this lion. Wow. Three times I've seen crumbs just fall into your lap. Shit, I've only seen one, so this is problematic. Um, But no, I'm not surprised that there would be... Anytime you get high up in the atmosphere, you're I think get snow. I think in Tasmania there are there's snow, yeah, and rainforests. So oh, their waterproof fur just helps to keep them warm. Again, similar to the thick, dense fur of otters. Ooh. And their tail, fun fact, stores fat. It stores like two thirds percent of their body fat, actually. Fuck. So they got fatty tails. They sure do. And the tails aren't, they don't really have a, a ton of purpose otherwise. Like its main purpose is to store the fat. Mm. There are a few other things that we'll get into very quickly. I feel like there's a, um, a lot, not a lot, but there's definitely other species where <clears throat> storing fat in the tail is like the purpose of the tail. Yeah, isn't it's that basically interesting? like a permanent like fat suitcase. Kind of like our butts. Ex- I mean, that's what my, that's what my butt is for. Yeah. It is only a permanent suitcase of fat. <laughs> And that's it. But sometimes it's kind of toned. Not right now, but like sometimes. Okay. With regard to reproduction, Mm -hmm. females will lay eggs, Mm -hmm. as we said, and they will incubate incubate in, and they will incubate them in between their fur and the tie. I tried to write tail. Clearly, just wrote tie. Are you okay? No, I'm having an aneurysm. 
It takes 10 days to incubate the eggs, at which point the babies are born the size of lima beans. Throwback to your kangaroos. Basically, if you're in Australia, you're the size of a lima bean at some point. A lima bean. Um, and then... <laughs> the- lima bean. <laughs> Jump on the Bobby. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. It's not good. <laughs> and then the young are helpless for about three to four months, during which time they are nursing. But guess what? Just to make the platypuses weirder, they don't have nipples. Wait, what? So, instead... What are they nursing on? I'm about to tell you. I know, but I'm nervous. Instead, milk is released out of mammary gland ducts on their abdomen, and the babies... Mm, the babies will drink it up by suck. Mm, they will drink it up by sucking it out of the folds of their mother's skin. <laughs> No! Even God has a sense of humor. I don't like it. So gross. No. No! Indeed. If I had to lick something out of my mother's folds. Hi, Mom! Again, the best way I feel like to understand the animal kingdom and how insane and crazy it is is to compare it to humans and just be like, what the what the fuck? fuck? And like, obviously, in a lot of, I think that's what makes the the animal kingdom so amazing. Right? You're like, well, it works for them, and when you're like, it would never work for us. <laughs> no, 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 disgusting. <laughs> so, a a big famous fun fact about platypuses that I think you're well aware. Mm-hmm. Is that they are one of very few mammals that are venomous. Yes, they are. D- go ahead, tell us. Well, I also like to point out, I like to point out this fact whenever I can, the difference between venom and poison. Yes, it's my favorite thing that I Google all the fucking time. <gasps> venom is injected, poison is secreted. Mm-hmm. So most snakes are venomous, most frogs are poisonous. Mm-hmm. I think that's important. Poison is from touching. Yes. Venom is from... There has to be, like, someone has... Getting hurt. Like, an open wound. Yeah. Like, someone has to inject it in. Yeah. But no, I believe, uh, and feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but platypuses, male platypus have, like, a spine, basically, on, like, the back of their hind legs. Yeah, it's a stinger. And they can, like, fucking, On their back paws. Like, sting you. <laughs> it, it's not fatal to humans, but it can cause excruciating pain. And it's a defense mechanism, mm-hmm. and their their feet, I mentioned they have webbed feet. This webbing is to obviously help them to paddle through the water. Swim, swim, swim. Their, their front paws are used for swimming. The back are used as a rudder. Mm-hmm. And when they are up on land, at which point they are much more clumsy than they are underwater, uh-huh. the webbing can retract. Oh! Right? Just to keep it cool. But yeah, the, the males only have mm-hmm. that venomous stinger, which they can just be like... Get a getcha. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, yeah. That, I don't know, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know of any other mammals that are venomous or poisonous. I feel like it's very much a reptilian or amphibian quality. So, uh, venomous mammals of the world today include vampire bats. Uh, they're venomous? Hedgehogs. Oh, mm, okay. Hedgehogs. Moles. Skunks, shrews, and solenodins. Solenodins? I think that's probably just another kind of rodent. Yeah, I thought looking at it would help me. It didn't. Interesting. Huh. Isn't it? 
Shrews, for some reason, doesn't surprise me, but, like, I wonder... We'll have to look more into this. Yeah, maybe we'll do another. But that does seem like a very select few. Yeah, yeah, it's not that many. A very small number. Another fun fact about platypuses is that in ancient times, they were over a meter in size. What? So they were like three feet big, whereas right now they are much smaller. They're like three pounds, guys. They're really tiny. 15 inches long with a five inch tail, I think I said earlier. So they're not very big at all. They're not big at all. They're like the length of your forearm max. But now imagine that they're the length of an adult male arm entirely. And then that they have a venomous stinger. Yeah. So be scared. Be very be very Scared. afraid of ancient platypuses that no longer exist the earth on the earth it's for the night i forgot prepositions um okay so their conservation status they are of least concern Woo! Hooray! however don't get too excited guys because like humans we're just ruining the world i'm sorry we say this every episode but mm, it's true every episode yeah, hasn't changed <laughs> i will be so thrilled the day it does platypuses skeletons resemble those of reptiles Oh, I don't know why I put this under conservation, but they both have. <laughs> no, uh, you seem to be. I'm all, cars. I'm all over the place today. They have both pectoral girdles and splayed legs, mm, just too, like reptiles. I too have a pectoral girdle. Well, no, I don't. I but. I too have splayed legs. Oh, Maggie! Oh God! Oh! Ah! Oh! Uh, in Tasmania. There, this is back to conservation, truly. In Tasmania, there is a new tracking app that's allowing citizen scientists to monitor platypus location. It's via the Australian Platypus Conservancy. Mm. Uh, check them out. They're doing good work to make sure that the platypus's environment and their populations are remaining stable. And the reason that they are working with citizen scientists, which, guys, is like a fancy name for you're a citizen and you want to help out yeah, doing research. Yeah, basically people just like participate. The general public the participating. General, exactly. You, and contributing to science. You said it. It's because there are regions where people have platypuses living in their backyards and they've observed behaviors that scientists don't even know about. Oh, cool. So it's just, it's soliciting help from the general public who are also interested in helping out with conservation and, yeah. and science and information, so... Anyone can be a scientist. Obviously, there's a lot of training that goes anyone into can be a, the scientist, but anyone can be a citizen science exactly. scientist to, to just report what you're seeing, when you're seeing it, where you're seeing it. There's a lot to contribute to science in, as a whole. For real. So, For real. <laughs> those, those are platypuses. I, I know that there wasn't a ton about them, but as I just said, there's still a lot that we don't yet know about yeah. them because they are this very strange Franken creature yes. that... We're, we're still learning about because they spend most of their lives underwater. Citizens that live next to them and near them are learning more than actual scientists are who are observing them. So very cool, but it's a funny looking animal. And they're yeah. just the fact that they are so unique and special is why I wanted to feature them. Yeah, I was going to say they're one of the, there's a lot of animals. I mean, all animals are, are important out in the world. But um, there are certain animals that like once the platypus is gone, there's nothing else like it. No, no. Literally nothing. Literally nothing. They're the closest so thing is an cool. echidna, and that looks more like a like hedgehog. A hedgehog than anything else. I know. It's insane. Super fucking cool. Uh, so let's hear from platypuses. Yes. All right. Okay. Are you ready? 
I'm excited for yours. I too want to go for a weird looking fucking animal. Yes. So there's an unintended theme for today, which is great. I do want you to guess this one. As per usual. Yes. As has become the thing. Customary. So my clue to you. I have two clues. The second clue is not going to be super helpful. Okay. But I'll give you the first clue. It is the heaviest bony fish, known bony fish, in the world. And I say that because the ocean is a big fucking place, so. Mm. Heaviest bony fish. Mola Mola? Yes! (laughs) Yes! Yes, so. Oh, we woke Ollie up. So, uh, my animal today is the Mola Mola, or the ocean sunfish. Fuck yeah! Which is just a fabulous creature. My other hint to you was how basically I described them, which is like, I feel like if you told a kid to draw a fish, (laughs) and then they made it three-dimensional. Dimension. Dimensional. Three-dimensional, and that's what a Mola Mola looks like. Fan fucking, fin fucking tastic. Because it looks like a two-dimensional fish. A hundred percent. Common name, well, common, it's the common Mola, but scientific name is Mola Mola. Mola. Kind of like gorilla, gorilla. Or ocean sunfish. Uh, And they are the heaviest known bony fish in the world. Adults weigh anywhere between 246 and 1,000 kilograms, and that's between... 545 to 2,205 pounds. They're so fucking big. They're huge and weird looking. So they got a lot going for them. Um, They're found pretty much all around the world. Typically, they're native to tropical and temperate waters around the world. So they like warm waters. I've probably made this comment before. Much like my mother. Um, so, they're, yeah, they like warm waters. Uh, they're a member of the order Tetrodontiforms. Um, other members of this order include pufferfish, porcupine fish, and filefish, which I'm like, okay, so weird looking fish. Um, but visually, again, like I said, it's basically a child's drawing of a fish brought to life. Their main body is flattened laterally. So they can be as tall as they are long. They're very, if you look at them head on, they look like very tall ovals. Yeah. But from the side, they're very large. They're, they're very long ovals. They are so weird looking. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have an extended dorsal and ventral fin. Over the course of evolution, their caudal fin, caudal fin being their tail, has basically disappeared. And they just have these two big other fins. Um, they have a pseudo tail, which isn't pseudo mean like basically not real. Fake. Fake tail. Um Pretend. known as the clavis. 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 Yes. Basically it's the convergence of the dorsal and anal fins. And is used by the fish as a rudder. Yeah, okay. That's the clavis. Yeah, so they have this one really big dorsal fin on the top and this one really big ventral fin at the bottom. But one and one. No tail fin really. It's just, they're so silly looking. And they're really flat and big. They're gray in color with this really rough skin texture. And honestly, if you had gotten here later, I would have gone more into their skin. Because they're like, basically, it seems um, covered by like a layer of mucus. I want to understand why if I'd gotten here later. I would have, it was like, it was something that I was like, "Mm, I could dive into this more, but I'm not going to right now. But they're like covered in mucus. And also parasites. Ew. So, uh, 
they've got a lot going for them. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so they're grain colored. They're kind of like they're definitely like modeled, like very yeah, camouflage esque. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I do you know why? Is it because they want to like 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 the top of the like the sun, the water? Yeah. yeah, like when the sun rays are coming in again, sunfish. Like yes. it just blends them in. It's kind of camouflagey. Yeah. So um, I was going to get to this, but it's fine. Sorry. But so the reason that they're called sunfish is because one of their behaviors is to kind of bask to sunbathe mm-hmm. at the top of the water. They basically like float on one side. They kind oh of look God. like they're dead. In the sun. And so having a mottled skin tone where you, that's like kind of like the light reflecting off the top of the water helps with camouflage. So they're um, super cute. Quick question about what they look like. Yeah. I can't remember, even though I've seen one in person, and I'll save that story. Are there eyes on either side of them or are they kind of like a flounder fish in mm-hmm. which they're on one side of them? I believe they're on either side. Okay. I'm trying to remember. I don't have it written down, but I believe they're on either side. Okay. And then they have like this tiny little, this like mouth that looks like, looks like they're constantly like spooked. <laughs> like, ooh, 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 what is that? Oh um, so in terms of size, remember, they're really fucking big. Average length, 1.8 meters or 5.9 feet. Um, and then fin, average length and fin to fin length. Oh, okay. That means so that's like, like That's just their body, but fin to fin. So including uh-huh. that. Top and bottom fin, dorsal and ventral. They can be 2.5 meters or 8.2 feet. So they're larger than a... A human. A human. Yep. I wanted to say average human, but like any... Any human. any human, yeah. <laughs> so there is... Specimens of up to 3.2 meters or 10.5 feet in height have been recorded. So they mm. do get even, even bigger. bigger. Um, I will say, go and Google a skeleton of a mola mola because it's so crazy. Because like, they don't... I mean... They're pretty... So, also, this is important. They're very... Um, their skeleton contains a lot of cartilaginous tissues rather than bone. Mm-hmm. So, even though they are a bony fish, they have a lot of cartilage. And cartilage is lighter than bone, which allows them to get so big. But so, when you look at their skeletons, it's like this weird, like, framing of a fish. And then, like, their fins and stuff. It, it's they almost... It's so okay, weird. So, I just Googled the skeletons mm-hmm. as you were saying that. Thank you. I would say... Their skeleton, at a glance, makes them look more like an insect. Yes, because like, it makes them look like they have wings. Wings. They're not wings. <laughs> they are fins. They are fins. They are used as rudders. So they're just, they're insane. But yeah, so that's really important is that even though they are the largest of the bony fish, they contain a lot of cartilage, yeah. which makes them lighter, which is why they can grow to be so big. Wow. Um, also, like I said, this was under my, my visual bullet point. Um, they're covered in a lot of parasites. It was like, Ew. they can be covered and also internally have like 40 parasites. Do we know why? F- I don't know. Because again, if you had gotten here later. <laughs> Is it because they move slowly? It's probably that. They're also just so big and different than other fish that there's probably something that mm-hmm. is more inviting to parasites than other fish. Mm. But like... I'll get into, like, way, one of the ways that they try to get rid of parasites. It's really funny. Oh. Um, so, uh, back to their name a little bit. Mola is Latin for millstone, and that's solely based on how they look. They look like a big flat stone. Which it's funny, is because is. every time I have heard Mola Mola, yeah. I always think back to Austin Powers with the guacamole. Again, uh, not where it came from, but... Not at all. Just 
you know. Could you imagine though if that was what it was? They were just large guacamole makers. Exactly. But no, so the name is based off what they look like. Yes. Um, and then sunfish is based off their behavior, as previously mentioned. Sure. Um, in terms of food, they're not super exciting in terms of like how they eat. They're generalist predators, so they'll eat like anything that they can. they can. Primarily though, they usually eat jellyfish. So they'll oh, eat small fishes, really? fish larvae, squid, crustaceans, but the bulk of their diet is jellyfish. Ooh, cool. um, and then what eats them? Oh, which is fascinating. So my uh, my my boss, mm-hmm. she has actually been dying for us to do mola molas because it's her favorite fish in the world. Oh. And they have no predators, essentially. Yeah. There's like occasionally sea lions, killer whales, and sharks will like occasionally, occasionally. Them. But then I was like, when I was reading, it was like sea lions will cons- like attack for fun. They'll like rip off their fins, but like not actually eat them. What assholes! So like basically, if it's bigger than them, it like can attack them, but regularly, not really. But I also wonder why, because there are a lot of things in the ocean that are bigger and faster than these things. Like sharks, sure, certainly are. It's because they're covered in mucus and parasites. <laughs> It's secretly a defense mechanism. I was just going to say, that is their defense mechanism. Um, However, they are considered a delicacy in Japan, Korea, and Taiwan. So occasionally they are eaten by humans. Again, covered in mucus and parasites. Uh, In terms of locomotion, I think this is really what sets these gentle giants apart. So they don't have a swim bladder. Mm. So swim bladders are something that allow a fish kind of... to move through the water column, which is a big portion of why they kind of just float at the surface a lot. Yeah. They Um, just get pushed around. By the water. Like, literally, they do, they have, they can, I mean, their fins do work, but not in, like, the traditional way you see a regular fish swimming. It doesn't really help them to locomote. Yeah, they don't really move forward so much as up and down. Yeah. So although, so they swim at the surface a lot. A lot of times their dorsal fin protruding out of the water, people will think they're sharks. But they're not. Don't be scared. Also, don't be scared of sharks. That's fine. Throwback. A lot of early research suggested that sunfish moved around mainly by drifting in the ocean currents, but it turns out that they can actually swim forward. (laughs) Turns out. At a speed. (laughs) Is it a TBD speed? I mean, it says that individuals have been recorded swimming 26 kilometers or 16 miles in a day at a cruising speed of 3.2 kilometers per hour or... Two miles per hour. They so, are the turtles of the sea. That's about how fast I uh, move. So, um, oh God. actually, I shouldn't say they're the turtles of the sea because sea there are sea turtles. They're the they're the slugs, but they're sea slugs. I don't think sea slugs are fast. Okay, but then those are also the sea. They're the Ashleys of the sea. I'm not very fast. The sloths. 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 There we go. So. Yes, they can, they can move, like, they're not just, they don't have, like, no control over their movement, as kind of previously thought. They can move, but it's not, like, at an astounding speed at all. Um, Sunfish are pelagic. Yeah, out in the open water. Pelagic basically means they're out in the open. But they can swim at depths of 600 meters or 2,000 feet. So although it was thought a lot that they sunbathe, which they do do, they will actively (laughs) dive for prey so they'll mainly jellyfish they'll actively dive into the water to find food um this basking behavior again back to this kind of hanging out at the surface where they um they they go to the surface and then they fall to one side because they're super flat listless 
presenting its largest profile to the sun, maybe a method of, quote, thermally recharging following uh, dives to the deeper ocean water. So basically they just like want to warm up. Very reptilian, if you ask me. And it, it's very, oh, it's very much like me, actually. Oh. So I don't know if I've ever said this on the podcast before, but um, I, back when we both worked at the same company, I was often teased by our good friend and colleague, Steve. 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 Drink. Because I would be referred to as a reptile because I take on whatever my out outer temperature is. Yeah. And I just need, I would often joke around and be like, as soon as I'm in the sun, I'm hot. Or if I need to recharge and I'm cold, just put me outside on a rock to sunbathe. I'll just leave my mouth wide agape. Yeah. Just like a crocodile or an Perfect. alligator or something. And then I would often then follow that up with the joke like, oh yeah, I can swallow an egg whole, you know, just like a snake. And then this turned into a joke that I ended up saying on a lot of dates. And Steve was like, Maggie. Keep going. Every time after one of these dates, Steve would be like, did you did you tell him you're a reptile? You're not going to have another date. That's not how it, that, that doesn't work. <laughs> and so before no. every date, he would be like, please don't tell them you're a snake. <laughs> Whatever you do, don't compare yourself to a reptile. Oh, Jesus. So weird. I 100% like feel that though because I I feel like I am not good at regulating my body temperature. If it's a little bit cold, I'm freezing. If it's a little bit warm, I'm sweating. Like there is no in between. It's one or the other. As soon as yeah, as soon as I'm warm, I'm I'm baked. I'm roasting. Uh, And but here now you don't have to say you're a reptile. Now you can say you're a mola mola. So I just I'm like a mola mola. Have we have we upgraded or have we upgraded? Um, back to their locomotion. Last thing is that they can propel themselves out of the ocean, though. What? What? They can? Right. These, like, two kilometer per hour animals? There are three main reasons in which they are propelling themselves out of the water. I want to know. One being to eat. Aggressive eaters. One being to escape a predator. Very rare, because there's not a lot. And then another is to clear themselves of parasites. Parasites. Yep, to get the parasites off of them. Get off um, of me! I think it was like four feet or something that they can get a lot, which is like pretty good, but also you the have size to, like, of the mola mola. You have to so... build up a lot of momentum to be able to breach. Yeah, but they can breach. Wow. I don't know how common it is, but it's possible. I think that's what's important. Yeah. Is the possibility. Go. Got it. All right. In terms of conservation. Let's hear it. All right. So these guys are listed as vulnerable and decreasing by the IUCN Red List. Um, I think it's important to note that there is pretty much no threat to humans. Like these guys, I don't know if you listen to my description of them, but they don't particularly, other than their size, don't seem threatening. And that's true. Um, <laughs> you you happen upon one and they look surprised to see you. Oh, although apparently there was one. One account of when one leapt out of the water, it landed on a four-year-old child. <laughs> Sucker. Which, like, it didn't say he died, so I think he's fine. Um, just traumatized. <laughs> but really, that's just funny for everybody. If anything, there's more of a problem with boaters than it is swimmers, mm. where they are so large that... and. Again, they're pelagic, so they tend to be out in the open ocean, but they can come closer to shore. And they're also in warmer waters where mm-hmm. there's going to be more, like, recreational boating. Um, so they can have collisions with boaters, which is a problem for the boater. Part of, problem for the motor Interesting. motor. Interesting. Motor motor? Motor motor. Molar mola. Mola mola motor motor. Uh, anyway, um, then swimmers. So not really a problem for humans. The biggest threat that they face is... Changing ocean temperatures? Mm, well, yes, but bycatch. 
So they are a huge percentage of bycatch in most gill nets. So bycatch, for those who, I, I think we've talked about bycatch before, yeah. is when fishing vessels go out and catch fish. Bycatch is basically all of the fish that they're catching, that all of the creatures they're catch, catching that they're not intentionally catching. So if they're going out to like fish for tuna, and I don't know the logistics of fishing, but they're catching tuna, but 30% of what they catch could be not, probably more is not what they're actually going out to catch. And a lot of times bycatch ends up dying because they get stuck at nets. And May can talk to this a little bit more because of where she works. So I'm so glad you just threw this softball to me. You're welcome. Um, yeah, it, bycatch is such an issue. And I think a lot of us that are interested in conservation of marine life will see all of the bad headlines that say, reduce bycatch, look at these terrible nets that are, are trapping sea lions and turtles and sharks. But... A way that you can feel good about eating seafood that isn't harming bycatch or, or actually has large numbers of bycatch is looking for independent uh, certifications like the Marine Stewardship Council. That's a very good example. Mm-hmm. Um, they're a little bluefish label on your seafood packages. But basically that... MCS. MSC. Shit. <laughs> MSC. But basically, that means that this seafood was caught by fisheries that are reducing their environmental marine impact, and they have been independently verified as such. So, for example, I think of of the roughly almost 20% of fisheries worldwide that have that little blue fish label on their products, over 90% of them have made improvements to um, minimize their environmental impact, and a lot of that, pers- a lot of that, ninety percent refers directly to bycatch reduce mm. reducing. Mm-hmm. So you can feel good about actually purchasing seafood if you don't want to, you know, you the bycatch reducing words. I can't speak. We've had a lot to drink. It's okay. Anyway, that's my point. Yeah. So bycatch is a bad thing, but you can feel good when you are an informed consumer. I was gonna say there's ways. Not around it, but ways to... uh... Support those that are trying to work with the environment, not against it. Yes. There's one California swordfish fishery who employed drift gillnets, and 30% of their total catch was bycatch. Mm. Even higher in the Mediterranean, again, swordfish industry, 71% to 90% of the total fish being caught were sunfish. Yikes. Whereas uh, uh, swordfish caught from Florida are Mm -hmm. caught sustainably. You don't don't got those sunfish there. That's where you're gonna go. Fishery bycatch and destruction of ocean sunfish uh, are unregulated worldwide. Mm -hmm. So make sure you're looking for those independent certifications. Awesome. The other thing to look out for or to keep in mind is, I don't know if you remember me saying, what was the thing that sunfish eat a lot of? Molomolos eat a lot of. Jellyfish. Exactly. What looks like jellyfish in the water? Plastic fucking bags. Exactly. So this is an easy one. I mean, the other thing is also easy, but just don't use plastic bags. Reusable mm. bags are so easy. Never have I felt more like a superwoman than when I bring my reusable bags to a grocery store. Plastic bags in the ocean look like jellyfish. Same thing with sea turtles. Mola mola will eat them. It clogs up their digestive tract. They die. They so die. it's pretty simple. Don't use plastic bags. Bring reusable bags to the grocery store. Say when no you go to plastic bags. Anywhere you go, just have a reusable it, bag. It doesn't even in have to pocket. be exactly. It doesn't have to be your grocery store. It can be when you go thrifting. It can be when you go to the fucking mall, guys. Yes. I've done that. Oh, you yeah. feel a little weird, but like it's actually super cool when you leave 
Victoria's Secret and or uh, Kohl's. Why are these the first two that came to my mind? I don't know, but all right. <laughs> Hot topic. Why? Again. Yes. Gap. Normal. Okay. All right. Uh, but yeah, you can you can bring a reusable bag anywhere you go. So simple. Um, or like if you go to CVS or your local pharmacy yeah. and you're getting face wash and deodorant and toothpaste, don't fucking take a plastic bag, guys. Yeah, You've got you, two hands. Even if you don't. I'm sorry. Have, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Actually, most of us have two hands. Fair. I would like to acknowledge that not everybody has use of both hands. This is fair. Yes. But even if you're going someplace and they don't. And you don't have a, a reusable bag with you. If it's something small that you can just carry with you, like just the amount of times I've been like, no, I can, I can carry this one shirt out of the store. Like I'm good. Yeah, that's definitely an option. Um, so yes, look for that little blue fish in terms of seafood, and use reusable bags or pass on uh, plastic bags. Or plastics, yeah. And you will be help- helping the most beautiful fish in the world, <laughs> the mola mola. Oh, also in terms of. Sending people to look at videos. Yes. Look, there's a video of this guy off the coast of... It's off the coast of Massachusetts. I don't remember. It must be, like, near the Boston Harbor, where he sees a mola mola for the first time, and he doesn't know what it is, but he's a very heavy Boston accent. Yes. And it's the funniest thing in the entire world. Um, So just go look up, like, mola mola Boston, and I think you will... What the fuck is this? It's... Okay, so you don't even need to watch the video. Just listen to Maggie. But it's so funny. But That's I do great. appreciate him wanting to help this That's creature. That's so great. Which is beautiful. So for not knowing what it is. I want to add to that because I, I have seen a mola mola in real life. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because you said where they typically are found, more more warmer waters. Yeah. But then you also said they don't exactly propel themselves through water. They no. just kind of exist Ooh. and float and get along. Yeah. So... Last summer, two summers ago, I was up in Maine mm-hmm. for the summer camp that I helped to instruct, and we had a uh, storm squall, mm-hmm. um, a microburst that had yes. gusts of wind like around 80 miles an hour. It lasted maybe 10 minutes, and afterwards, we're out. We're all out on the boat. We were on an island at the time. We get back on the boat, and then all of a sudden, we're like, what's that in the water? And it was a mola mola. And we all guessed that it had probably been blown off course from somewhere. Oh, baby. And it was just floating along. It was really big. Uh, But it was so cool to see one in real life because, yes, A, the top fin looks like a shark. Yeah. But then you just see it kind of, like, listing to the side, just kind of floating along. Oh, it's a shark with minimal effort. Must be a mola mola. Must be a mola mola. And it was just really cool because everybody was super excited. You don't often see them because they're out out in the open sea and here we were on an island yeah it was very cool that's awesome i might post a video (gasps) Ooh, a little tease if you will to visit our social media please do we're at the watering hole pod on instagram yes uh yeah well i'm glad we had two weird ass animals today super cool those are my favorite kinds to be honest Mm -hmm. but just a reminder, though we are animal enthusiasts, we are not scientists. <laughs> no. Like, not even a little bit. <laughs> so don't uh, cite us in your academic papers. Do your own research. Please. We are just here to get you excited about animals like we are. Can you tell we're stoked? <laughs> Clearly. Uh, but thanks for joining us on this episode. Tune in next time when we learn about more animals, their biology and habitat, the threats they face, and what people are doing about it. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Have a great night.
Or morning. Oh, God. I've ruined it. Afternoon. I'm so so sorry. 